You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. All right, church, good morning. Guys, we could like stop here. Like, this has been an awesome day already. We won't, but we could. It is just always so good to be able to um, just come together and celebrate life change. And this, over, over these next few weeks, we are going to continue kind of digging a little bit deeper into what it looks like to have a life that is changed by God. What it looks like to, to live in light of eternity. And over these next, this Sunday and next Sunday, we're going to answer two really, really important questions uh, in light of eternity. Even though we live in a country that continues to kind of fall away uh, from the teaching we find here in the Bible, there, there, there was a study put out by the Pew Research Center uh, back in 2015. And in 2015, 72% of all Americans still believed in some kind of afterlife, something after death, some kind of, whether it's a conscious state or some kind of eternal life or whatever it may be, 72%, three-fourths of our country still believes in eternity. Now, granted, within that 72%, there are different ideas on, on how to get there or what that place even looks like. Um, some people call it paradise. Some people call it heaven. There's a whole sitcom called The, the, the Good Place, right, where, where it's their idea of what eternity and what heaven looks like. But over the next few weeks, we're going to ask two really, really important questions when it comes to eternity. One, the one that we're going to talk about today is simply, what will you do with Jesus? And then the question we're going to ask next week is, who will you give your life to after the fact? After whatever you decide on who Jesus is, what will you give the rest of your life for? Both of these questions are so critical in light of eternity. We're going to see today that what we do with Jesus determines your eternal destiny. Simply put, you, it's on you, what you do with Jesus, what you decide about who he is and what he has done for you, will determine your eternal destiny, where you end up. So if there has ever been as, a, as an important question, it is this one. So what will you do with Jesus? And church, this morning I invite you, if you have a copy of God's Word, to turn with me to the, the third chapter in the Gospel of John. We're going, to be, we're going to be hanging out in John 3, 16 through 18, a little bit later on within our service, but I want you to be there so we can jump right in after, uh, jump right in when, when we are ready to do so. If you don't have a copy of God's Word with you today, please don't worry about it. There's a black pew Bible right, right in front of you. You can, you can take that Bible and turn it to page 888, and you'll be able to follow along with us as we walk through this portion of Scripture together. Because you see, there are a lot of different ways, as I've already suggested, there are a lot of different ways, or ways that people believe you can get to heaven. But today, and this morning, I want, I want to open up God's Word with you to see what God has to say about it. There are, this isn't coming from some religious teacher. This isn't coming from, from some textbook. This is coming directly from God's word. And we're going to see right from the mouth of Jesus what it takes so that you can know for sure today that you have a relationship with God 
and that you have eternal life. And really, the, the whole synopsis of this morning has to do with one word, the gospel. The gospel simply means good news. What is the good news about Jesus? And before we dig into John chapter 3 and get into what what Jesus has to say about it and answer some of the most important questions that people have concerning the gospel, I think it, it would be privy for us this morning to understand what the gospel is. So we're going to break down the gospel simply today in four words. There simply are these, God, man, Christ, and faith. And, and you, you may be sitting here today thinking, I've, I already am a follower of Jesus. I've heard this before. And guys, please do not turn, tune me out today. Because there are, there are people here, obviously, we believe each and every Sunday that there's people searching for answers. And we believe that they're here today. And you have unsaved friends and family members and coworkers who need to hear, hear the good news of the gospel. So we're going to break it down in these four words quickly before we get into John chapter 3 this morning. So the first word is God. Say that with me. God. All right, God. See, the gospel, as long as everything else starts with God. You look, you look at the, the beginning of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1 is an account of what? Of God creating everything. That God in his ultimate power and wisdom spoke the world and the universe into existence. He spoke the sun, the moon, the stars, uh, plant life, animal life. Every living thing was created by God. And, and man, if, if we had the time, we could dig into Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and Romans chapter 1 as well and talk about what all that means. But it basically means this, is that since God is our creator and king, we are accountable for his authority over our lives. Since God created us and spoke, and, and spoke life into our very lungs of Adam and Eve, we now have someone who we need to be, we are held accountable to. We are not autonomous. As much as we like to think we are, we do not answer to ourselves. We answer to a holy and righteous God. And not only is God our creator, but he is also he is also our king. Exodus chapter 34, 6 and 7 kind of gives us a picture of who God is. And it says, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. See, we, we begin to see a picture of who God is. He is love. He is kindness. He is forgiving. But verse 7 says, but he will not leave the guilty unpunished. God in his righteousness cannot close the door or, or, or shield his eyes from the fact that there is sin in the world. That God is good and loving, yes, but he's also just and righteous and holy. And you got to understand that about who God is. And God is our righteous creator and king. That's the one thing that I want you to remember about this word God. The second word in that, in that four word grouping is man. Guys, say, say that with me. Man. 
So if we had more time, we'd go back to Genesis chapter 2 and 3 and talk about the first man and woman that were ever created, Adam and Eve. And God created man in this amazing scenario and situation in the Garden of Eden. They had everything that they, that they could have ever wanted. Everything. Adam had, at that point, the perfect wife. Eve, at that point, the perfect husband. They were surrounded by amazing creation. They had purpose. They, they had a job to do. They, they knew exactly what their lives were meant for. But it didn't take long for them to stray away from that fact. And even though God, as their righteous creator and king, had said, listen, I give you all of these good things. But he said, there's one thing that you cannot do. I command you not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He was setting up a test for them. And Adam and Eve, in their free will, decided to rebel against God's rule and reign in their, in their, in their very life and decided to disobey God and eat of that very tree that, that God had commanded them not to eat from. And from that very moment, from then, from, from there on, sin entered into the world. Sin is rebellion and disobedience against God. It is rebelling against the rule and reign of who God is. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. Because of Adam and Eve's disobedience from God, every human being from that point forward has been born in sin. Not only do we disobey God and rebel against His rule and reign, we start off as sinners. Sin has entered into all of humanity. And our sin separates us from God and makes us guilty before Him. That our sin separates us from a God who loves us, who wants to have a relationship with us. But our sin separates us from the very, from, from the very God who wants nothing more than for us to be one of His children. And we are now guilty before Him. Him and and you look you look at the book of Romans verses uh, Romans three twenty three says for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory and Romans six twenty three for the wages of sin is death and the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans man chapters one through four is building this case of why we need a Savior and it begins by the fact that man cannot earn God's favor on 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 his own. And that man is, is stuck in his sin, and without, without God doing something, we would have no hope. So God is our righteous king and creator. And man is sinful and separated from God because of his own rebellion. That's where the bad news starts, stops. And this is where the good news begins. See, because the next word in that four-word grouping is, is Christ. Say that with me. Christ. Christ. See, this is where the good news of the gospel comes in. I love what the Apostle Paul does in, in Romans chapter 3, verse 24. He says, listen, something, God is doing something. And God now, God's love and righteousness is manifested here on this earth 
through His Son, Jesus. And He says that there is a way for human beings to be counted righteous before God. To be, to be declared innocent instead of guilty. To be justified instead of condemned. Again, it has nothing to do with acting better or living a more righteous life. It comes completely apart from what we can do. So he says, he says, listen, yes, bad news. You cannot get to God on your own, but God sent someone, that person being his own son, Jesus Christ. Romans 3.24 says, and, and we are justified by his grace as a gift. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, what Julia mentioned this morning. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation of his blood to be received by faith. See, God in his goodness and grace to your life and my life is that he didn't let us go at it, go, go at this thing alone, but he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross, in our place, for our sins. 2 Corinthians 5.21, a verse that Pastor Mike mentioned last week from, uh, during Easter. It says, for our sake, he made him, being Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, while Jesus came to earth, lived a perfect, sinless life, to, to be an example of what it looks like to obey the Father, he obeyed him even unto death, even death on a cross. And church, and while he was on that cross, as he was suffering, the gospel says that, that the sky turned black and God actually turned his back from his own son. Because at that very moment, your sin and my sin was being placed, was being placed upon Jesus Christ. Every act of abuse, every act of racism, immorality, pride, anger, hatred was placed upon God's Son. As in at that very moment, he paid for our sins. Amen. The thing that we need to remember is that Jesus died in our place for our sins. He stood as our substitutes. And he died so that we wouldn't have to. So God is our righteous creator and king. Man has sinned and separated himself from God. God, in his goodness, sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross in our place for our sin. And the last part about the gospel simply is our response to it, and that is one of faith. Guys, say, say that with me. Faith. Faith can be, has been defined in many different ways, but the the best understanding of it simply is to place your trust and reliance upon something, to believe something to be true. The word faith is, doesn't mean to work harder or to, to try new things. There is no work involved when it comes to faith. It is believing the facts as true and trusting in those facts, whatever those facts may be. 
Right now it's raining outside. I can, I can go and I can, I can look at, at the evidence, the facts. It's cloudy. Raindrops are literally falling from the sky. I can look at the puddles and see the raindrops falling there as well. I take in all of the evidence of it and I say, I believe, I have faith that it's raining because I see and believe the evidence that, there, that, that, that it's raining. That is what faith means. Believing something to be true, to trust and rely on, on, on the facts that you have. Romans 4, 5 says that again, this is not of works. And it says, and to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, talking about Jesus Christ, his faith is counted as righteousness. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Our salvation is not about what we can do to earn our way to heaven. Friends, this morning, salvation is based upon trusting what God has already done for you. See, the way that we receive God's salvation is through faith in His Son, Jesus. It's trusting, relying in something to be true. It's not about working for your salvation or earning God's favor, but, trust, but trusting in what Christ has already done. It's not about working harder, trying harder, doing more things, going to church more often. It's about simply placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. So we are saved by trusting in Jesus, not ourselves. God, man, Christ, faith. As that is the gospel message. Now listen, you may be sitting here today and wondering, you may have never heard that before. And I know the questions that go through people's minds because I've been there, as I have wrestled with my own salvation. Understand that, that we all have questions about, you know, um, how can I ever really earn God's favor? Why, why would God ever do something like this? Is faith, is believing in what Jesus did actually enough so that I know for sure that I am saved? And lastly, how can I be sure that once I have it, it's always there, that I'm secure in my salvation? And for the few moments we have left, I want to bring you to John chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, again, turn, turn with me to John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. Again, it's on page 888 in, your, in, in that pew Bible there. And I, I just want to answer some of these questions for you today with the time that we have left. Let me just read, read these verses together. Read in your hearing. They're going to be up on the screen here as well. John chapter 3, beginning at verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. See, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Friends, to give you a little bit of context of what, what's going on here, this is Jesus these are Jesus' exact words. This is Jesus talking to someone who is seeking and looking for eternal life. 
Jesus here in, in John 3 is talking to a man named Nicodemus. He was a religious leader who knew God's word. But he came and said, teacher, we, we understand that, 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 man, you've been anointed by God in some way. And how can I know for sure that I have a relationship with God? And they go back and forth, and Jesus says, listen, you need to be born again. You need to have a renewed relationship with God through faith. And then John 3, 16 through 18 happens. And these are verses that many of us have heard before. Maybe you're hearing it for the very first time. But in these verses, Jesus answers what, what I think are some of the most important questions as it comes to faith alone, faith in Christ alone for our salvation. And the first question simply is this, how can I earn God's favor? How can I earn it? Listen, we live in a world that operates under earning things. You go to work. What do you get after you're done? Money, a paycheck. Some of us, maybe not as much as we'd like, but we still get a paycheck. We're talking we, in friendships, marriages, whatever it may be, there's work that's involved. How, and so our mind begins asking, how do I earn this salvation? How do I make myself good enough? What things do I have to do for God to offer this thing to me today? And when people hear about the good news of the gospel, their first instinct is again, how can I have this? What do I need to do? What can I do to make God see that I'm trying and I've earned the right to become one of his children? You know what that answer is, guys? Nothing. There is nothing that we can do to earn God's favor. And the crazy thing is every other religion outside of Christianity teaches that you have to work to earn God's favor. You have to go on some kind of pilgrimage and travel to someplace special. You have to have some kind of religious experience uh, with, with God, and that makes you have a relationship with him. You have to give more. You have to work more. You have to do more. But in John 3, 16, Jesus answers the question that, listen, it's not, it's not us that moves first. It is God. That, for, that first phrase there, for God so loved the world that he gave. God loved the world. Every time the world is used, especially in the New Testament, it's always talking about a world full of sinners, sinful culture, a place that has rebelled against God. So in our rebellion against God, while we have done nothing to earn God's favor and love, God moved. See, friends, salvation has always been a one-directional thing. It's God moving to us, not us moving to God. It is God doing the work. It's God reaching out to us. There is nothing that you and I can do to earn our salvation. Check this out, Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still in our sin, while we were still disobeying and rebelling against God, while, while we were saying, we don't want you to rule and reign over, over our lives, we're going to do what we want, God, out of his love for you and for me, sent his son Jesus to die on the cross 
in our place for our sins. It is God who moved first. See, God sent his son out of love for us. See, and this doesn't make ourselves any better. It doesn't make us earn God's favor. And it's not, we don't have to prove our worth to God. God already proved our worth to us by sacrificing his own son. It's not about making yourself better. It's seriously just coming to Jesus with all, with all of your mess. Instead of cleaning, cleaning yourself up first and trying to make yourself look good, Jesus simply says, come. How do we earn God's favor? We don't. Church, you are a loved, you are loved by God. Because that's who God is, that's what he does. He reaches down in the midst, in the midst of our mess, in the midst of our our despair, in the midst of our sin, and calls us out of that. And we just need to accept it. There's nothing we can do to earn it. Second question most a lot of people have is simply, is faith really enough? Is accepting something to be true really enough so that I can base my entire eternal destiny on something? Isn't there anything that I can do? Don't I have to work or contribute to my salvation? These are all questions that we have, again, because this is what we do. This is what we're trying to accomplish. I love what John Calvin says in his Institutes, where he simply says, faith is something merely passive. There's nothing that, we, that you and I can bring to the table. We are simply coming to the table with nothing and accepting what, what Jesus Christ has already done on our behalf. Faith isn't bringing anything, it's accepting what has already been done. See, almost 100 times in the Gospel of John, Jesus, out of his mouth, says the words, you believe to have everlasting life. Place your faith and trust in who I am and what I have done and what I have promised. That is how you have everlasting life. Throughout the New Testament, faith and belief is connected with salvation. We believe that the word of God is, is inerrant without error, and God at any single moment, Jesus, if he wanted to say something different, he could have. Instead of saying, whoever believes in me should have everlasting life, he could have said, whoever surrenders your life to me, whoever tries really hard, who, whoever tries to, you know, to be kind and loving, then, then you'll be saved. He doesn't say that because that's not what he meant. He said, by faith, by believing in me, you can have eternal life. And some people say, that sounds too easy. You may be thinking, that sounds, that is, it's too easy. I should, be, I should have to do something. But church, think about this. What is, what is easier to believe? That you can work your way to heaven. That if you do all these good things, that you, are, you have earned God's favor, and you're going to be in heaven someday. Or believing that some man 2,000 years ago came to earth, lived a perfect life, died on a Roman cross and rose three days later for my sins and I am trusting completely in what that man did for my salvation. It's not easy to believe this. Some people might say this is, this is cheap grace. This means that, of course, I don't have to do anything so this makes it cheap. But guys, think about it. This gospel 
cost the Son of God his very life. It wasn't cheap. And it's not easy. But this is what God has called us to do, to believe simply in him and him alone for our salvation. And lastly, the last question, how can I know for sure that I'm saved? This is a big one. How can I know for sure today that I have eternal life, that I'm one of God's children, and I'm going to spend eternity in heaven someday? This is a big deal. How, how can I know for sure? Look with me in verse 18 again of Jesus, what he's saying here. He's saying here he says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Jesus here repeats the word believe three times where he talks about our position, that we know for sure that we have eternal life. Again, believe, he's hammering that thing home. And everyone who believes is not condemned before God. Those who have believed their sins have been forgiven. They have, been, they have a restored relationship with God. And they have eternal life. Those who do not believe are condemned already. We already talked about that. And they're, because they're still in their sins. Romans 8, 1 says, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? I mean, at the moment of salvation, Jesus look, God looks at you differently. At the moment where you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, God doesn't see you in your sin anymore. He doesn't see all your failures. He doesn't see all your addictions he doesn't see all your habits and problems. God sees the blood of his son as he looks at you. And he, and, he, and he proclaims that you are righteous. That you have the righteousness of Christ imputed to your account. So how can you know that you can be saved? Again, this isn't about looking at your life, making sure that everything is lining up and you're doing everything well. You can be sure that you have eternal life today because of you believing what Jesus Christ has already done for you. Believing what he has done and having his righteousness upon him. So what we do with Jesus determines your eternal destiny. Church, we've crammed a lot into these 25, 30 minutes but the question that I want to leave you with today simply is this. What will you do with Jesus? So we've talked about what the gospel is. We've talked about what Jesus says about the gospel, that whoever believes in me has eternal life. So the question for you to answer personally today is what, what will you do with that? What will you do? And you really have one of three options. You can come away from this talk and sermon talking about the gospel, and the first thing that you can do is you can just straight up abandon it, dismiss it. Don't believe it to be true. And you have the choice to say, all right, am I going to believe this? Is this something believable, or, or am I going to go look for some other truth and some other maybe religion or, or worldview where I'm going to continue to try to earn my way to heaven? And you can just abandon it, dismiss. I'm not, I don't even believe this to be true today. The second thing that you can do simply is acknowledge it. 
By acknowledge, I mean that you believe that this is what the Bible says. All right, I believe that this is God's word, and I believe that the Bible says that whoever believes in Jesus Christ has forgiveness of sins, has eternal life, and has a restored relationship with God. You can acknowledge those facts. You, you, you may be, be able to spit out that, that four-word uh, part of the, of, of the gospel there, God, man, Christ, faith. You may be able to do all of that. So you can acknowledge that to be true. Or the third thing that you can do is accept it. You can accept this to be true for you today. That you're not just acknowledging that this is what the Bible says, but you're saying that I place my faith and trust alone in what Jesus has done. And I'm, I'm not working for it anymore. I'm not trying to earn God's favor. I'm not trying to have my life line up a certain way so that I can have the confidence of knowing that we are, that I have eternal life. You can accept that Jesus' offer of eternal life today by simply recognizing that you are a sinner, recognizing that you are in need of a Savior, accepting who Jesus was, that he was the Son of God, and that he died on the cross in our place for our sins 2,000 years ago. And that, that, that payment on the cross was final, and nothing more needs to be added to that. And you can rest in the fact that Jesus Christ alone offers eternal life. You, you can accept that today. So as I just call the praise team forward as we just close up our time together today, I want to extend that offer for you. Listen, if you're here today and you've never made that decision to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone, you can have the assurance that you are one of God's children today based upon your faith and not what you can do, but what Jesus has already done for you. Now listen, you can simply make that, make that decision in your seats. You, you, can, you can pray as I'm going to pray in, ju in just a moment. And if you've made that decision today, we'd love to either have you come up. We, we have these resources here that that we just want to give to you if you made that choice today to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, if you place your faith and trust in Him. We just have a book that will help you take those next steps in, in, in walking with Jesus from this point forward. We'd love to be able to hand you one of those. I'm going to, I'm going to be up here at front, and if you're a little worried still about, about coming up or whatever, that's cool too. We'd, we'd love for you just to, just to take that Connect card and fill it out. And say on the bottom there, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus today, and we'd love to get in touch with you just to celebrate with you uh, and encourage you in your faith. I'm just going to pray over you guys, and we're going to sing one more song. Let's pray. So, Heavenly Father, God, Lord, we love you so much. God, thank you, Lord, for the reminder of the gospel today. Lord, that, that you did not leave us in our sin, Lord, but you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross in our place for our sins God, when you yelled at the cross and proclaimed, it is finished, God, you meant it. That there's nothing more that we have to do to pay for our sins. It has already been done. And God, I pray for the believers in here today that are already are followers of you who needed to hear and be reminded of the gospel message today. God, that you have conquered sin and death. 
And that because of your resurrection, Father God, you promise new life to us as well. God, there is hope against sin and addiction and pain. God, there is, there is hope in forgiveness, Lord, and new life as we celebrated today. And God, for those who are here and they need to make that decision, Father God, today, I pray, Lord, that they would. That, they would, that, they, that today would be the day where they stop working for your favor and begin trusting, Father, in what your son Jesus has done for them. And God, we pray that your spirit will work on their hearts even now. I pray all these things in the name of your son Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.